If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App. And that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, and I am so excited to be here with you today. In this episode, we are talking to Kimberly Sander, who is the Executive Director of the Connecticut Nurses Association and the Connecticut Nurses Foundation. She advocates on behalf of nurses for the integrity of the profession, promotion of health for the public, including the impact of the environment on health, As a registered nurse and family nurse practitioner, Kimberly also provides training and technical assistance to Head Start programs as a member of the National Center of Health, Behavioral Health, and Safety. Kimberly is a strong advocate for promoting health and wellness, addressing social determinants of health, and collaborating for a healthier future. Please welcome Kimberly Sander. So today we're joined by Kimberly Sander, and I am so excited to have her here. She is the executive director of the Connecticut Nursing Association. So Kimberly, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Wendy. I'm very excited to be here and to be here with your audience. Awesome. Can we start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself and your nursing background? Sure. Um, So I'm, I'm a family nurse practitioner by education and training. I decided to become a nurse. I really wanted to be an astronaut. (laughs) Um, But I decided to become a nurse when I was in high school and my grandfather got really sick and he moved into our home. And those hospice nurses, you know, they're just a special group of people that really touched my heart and um, opened me up to the world of nursing. And so I was lucky enough that at an early age, you know, I got right into nursing and um, went and got my bachelor's. I thought I was actually going to work in a PDICU. That was like my dream job. And then I quickly realized in my PD rotation that um, every sick baby, there comes a stressed out family. (laughs) As a parent now, totally understand that scenario. But as an 18 year old, like I was not, you know, feeling that. So um, I kind of moved away from my kind of dream of working with children and families at that point. In my nursing, uh, in a cardiopulmonary step down unit at Yale. 
And then I went back to school to become a family nurse practitioner. And from there, I moved into primary care and I did family, right? So I got back to my children and families. I worked in the National Health Service Corps as part of their loan repayment program in a migrant seasonal uh, healthcare clinic, a federally qualified health center in central Florida. And I was down there for a, a while. And um, that was my love of public health and uh, really understanding how where people live, where they work, where they worship, where they play, access to healthcare, health literacy, I mean, you name it, you know, I saw it and experienced it. And I think that really um, kind of fed into my nursing background and my really realized my love of nursing was around promoting health and trying to support um, folks to be as healthy as they could uh, in their context where they lived uh, and, and to help them through that. And it's kind of, kind of, you know, where I went from there. I always say my career wasn't linear, you know, but it's all kind of connected. Um, I worked with early childhood programs uh, to support uh, childcare teachers in understanding how to care for children because children spend 50 to 60 hours a week when their parents are working in childcare and realize that, you know, with the changes in the healthcare system, where was health being promoted was in the, all these outside places, right? It didn't happen at the doctor's visit. <laughs> it wasn't even necessarily happening with parents, right? They were in these different kinds of environments. So it was really, um, I, I started working with childcare programs and I continue to work um, with the National Center on Health, Behavior, Health and Safety as a senior training and technical assistance with Head Start programs across the country. So I still get to do that piece of my love. But my other piece of love is nurses. And my husband always says, oh, when you're talking to your nurses, you're not working. <laughs> I said, That's true because I love my nurses. Um, and I get to promote nursing and promote uh, the profession and work with the healthcare system through my work as the executive director of the Connecticut Nurses Association. And I've been there for since 2013, which is beginning to be a long time now. And um, it is, it just brings me so much joy and happiness to do that work every single day with the nurses in the state and um, fills my cup. You talk about joy and wellness, it fills my cup. Every time I talk to our nurses and I hear about the spectacular things they do every single day. And um, I am a lucky lady. Yeah, no, awesome. And you're doing a great job as executive director. Thank you. That's because I get to work with great people like you. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about how you transitioned into the role of executive director? So moving like from bedside to executive director of this yeah. statewide uh, organization and, and what are your responsibilities? Funny story. <laughs> Our executive director left. I was the incoming president. I was supposed to be the incoming president. And Mary Jane Williams um, and Leo Lavelle were on the board at the time. And Mary Jane Williams is a longtime name in the state that's done the work of the association in Hartford, said, why don't you do it? And you know what? There are times in your life where a door opens and you make a decision, do I walk through it, right? Um, so we did. And uh, transition, I think that's a capital P-R-A-N-S-I-T-I-O-N. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's, 
I think nursing seeps into your blood and it just seeps into the way you do everything. So you gather your data, you identify your issues, you make your plan, and then you adjust. And you have to be okay with, um, you know, things not being perfect, right? Uh, so I think as I first started, just trying to figure it all out. Um, but lucky for me, um, oops, lucky for me, um, I've had great, great boards and great committees uh, come and support the work that we do. And um, the association has over doubled in membership since um, I've started there. Our committees, our special interest groups have uh, just gotten so active and busy. Our government relations committee, we do all the legislative work up in uh, Hartford. And we just sent out an email to nurses in Connecticut last night about a bill. And as of this morning, our nurses already wrote a thousand emails to Hartford. And um, so, you know, it was a big transition to understand, you know, what nurses, um, you know, how to support the profession, really. Um, and as the Nurses Association is a constituent member of the American Nurses Association. So when you're a member of CNA, you're a member of ANA. And um, because of that, we have tons of opportunities um, to participate at the national level on um, scope of practice reviews, professional panel, uh, information, um, participation in their national events. So it's a great opportunity for nurses. And over the years, I really tried to identify what are those great things that nurses can capitalize on and share and share and share. Um, nurses are busy, right? And finding, you know, just what they need at the right time um, is, is kind of, is kind of tricky. We're all on our own little journey. And, um, I don't know about you, but my inbox is pretty full all the time <laughs> and it's hard to keep up. So, um, but I've had the opportunity at the association to just, you know, working with the specialty organizations, you know, the oncology chapter, the public health nurses, the school nurses, the Connecticut League for Nursing. Um, I really feel like as a profession, we are coming together as that united voice that we hope to, we hope to be in this state. And we're the most trusted profession since um, I think 19, 19 or 20 years running. Yes. Now. Uh, that carries a lot of responsibility, I feel like, all the time. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and I think it's important that collaboration is essential. And you've been doing a really great job of uh, bringing all the organizations together in Connecticut. So that's, uh, that's been fabulous. And a lot of fun, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And what do you think are the benefits of being part of, um, you know, a professional organization? Because, you know, we have many nurses across the nation, across the world, who aren't really a part of, um, you know, national organizations. What do you think are the benefits of that? I think um, as nurses, you know, we, we, like I said, we're busy people and we have to consciously think about where we're spending our time and energy because we tend to be all in people. (laughs) Um, You know, we don't do anything really just, you know, lightly. So the professional nursing organization, um, as far as Connecticut Nurses Association goes, our nursing license is actually regulated. Our scope of practice is regulated by our legislature. It's a profession that um, our legislature can change what we do and we can't do. 
And um, that's kind of weird and frightening at the same time, but uh, that plays a big role of the work that we do. So just being a part of the association supports our presence up in Hartford. So we can monitor bills, we can um, weigh in on bills, but more importantly, that we're known in Hartford as the voice for nurses and they call upon us to ask our opinion, uh, participate on work groups and task force so that nursing, the profession, the integrity of the profession can be maintained, but also our other responsibility is, is actually part of our code of ethics uh, that we promote um, the health of communities and we use our expertise and experience to inform policy. Um, and so the association really takes an active role in doing that work and bringing nurses together that wanna do it and making sure our members are informed about the work we're doing. The other side of the work that we do is around education. Um, we do ongoing professional development. Um, over the past year, this has really kind of exploded and blown up due to our virtual uh, presence. Um, but as a member, you know, you have access to all of that. You get discounts on all of that. But, you know, the Connecticut Nurses Association is all nurses, right? And I think that, you know, folks say, well, how come all nurses, you know, aren't a member? And I always say, just like friendship, there's a season for, you know, every nurse to um, realize and be a part of the association. I always say the sooner the better, because your membership supports a lot of work. And when you're ready to engage, the opportunities are there. But you might also be, you know, more interested in being connected to your specialty organization, um, such as UND, right, with your Connecticut chapter of oncology nurses or central Connecticut uh, oncology nurses uh, society. And that makes total sense, right? That, that's where you're going to get your professional development that's related to your work. That's where your colleagues are that you're going to network with and ask questions of. Um, and they're, they're, that's a very important um, role to play for you in your own professional career and journey. Um, we're currently doing a Careers, Pathways, and Opportunities webinar series, and part of that is because, you know, nursing has so much breadth and depth. Um, I think they said there's over 90 nursing specialties out there, and you can do so many different things. So the, the, the specialty organizations play such a great role, depending on, are you working at a school? Are you working as faculty? Are you working in an ICU or an OR? You can find your people. Uh, that can support you in that specialty area. So, um, you know, networking and colleagues, I think as nurses, we don't need to know everything, but we know our resources and we trust our nurse colleagues more than we trust anybody else. <laughs> so I think the specialty organizations and the, the nurses association allow for that networking and that connection, uh, which yeah. I personally think is invaluable. Yeah, no, very true. And in nursing, like you said, there's so much you can do. There's a lot of non-traditional roles that nurses are in, but you wouldn't know that if you're not part of a, a bigger organization that, um, you know, that have members who are doing different things in nursing. Right. So I, I totally agree with that. And as executive director, how did your role, how was your role impacted by the pandemic? It's something, you know, we, we have to talk about. We're still in it. 2020 was really hard on the world, right, A across the globe. But how did it impact your position being executive director of CNA? In ways that we would have been fired if we had used the PPE that way in the past. 
how all of a sudden are you supposed to say, you know, for 20 years we've been doing it this way, but now it's going to be okay with a virus we don't know anything about. Um, the stress of that uh, was really just incredible. And um, we just went right into work. Um, and boy, you know, they talk about change. One thing in my, in my master's program, I'll never forget this policy uh, teacher said. She said, change happens slowly over time. It's incremental unless there's an impetus for change. Well, holy cow, was a pandemic an impetus for change? Everyone wanted to talk to everybody. And so um, it was a great, I mean, you know, it was a challenging time, but when you can look, I'm a silver linings girl. <laughs> so um, the relationships and the work that we did uh, was not perfect, but, um, you know, we were out, we were surveying nurses, finding out what their issues were. We are sharing that with the governor uh, on a regular basis. We were, um, talking with all the different hospital association, long-term care, the ambulance, the funeral homes. I mean, we were talking with all these folks, um, EMT, paramed. I mean, we, we had these association calls constantly uh, trying to solve the little problems, like who has PPE, who can move it? Is decontamination okay? Is it not okay? You know, these are all these things being thrown at everybody constantly. Um, so it really pushed me. Um, my legislative liaison, Ann Hulick, likes to push me out of my comfort zone. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we did what had to be done. Um, it's always e easy to advocate for others than it is for yourself. So I really, um, I really was pushing uh, to get the association out there so that nurses were heard. Um, and that just changed, that changed everything. Yeah, and I think it's so interesting that you're talking about everything you put into making sure you understood what was going on on the front lines, what nurses needed, who needed to know what they needed, how can they get what they need. At the same time, you as an individual, your world has shifted too, yeah. right? But as nurses, we go into that mode of, okay, what needs to be done? And yeah. then, you know, it's kind of like, we'll deal with ourselves later. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the way? <laughs> right. <laughs> <Is> that not <laughs> good. <laughs> right. Our personal stressors, our occupational stressors. Oh. So, so all of those build up. Um, and, and now that it's 2020, we have the vaccine out. Do you see things kind of turning the corner? Where are we now? Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting. Where are we now? Um it's, we're still kind of all over the place, you know? Uh, you know, I'm getting reports that PPE should be abundant um, because we've increased our domestic production of PPE. But then I'm getting reports that people are still reusing PPE and can't get PPE. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting <laughs> landscape. Uh, when I think back to the, like when it first happened, I, we thought about um, PPE, obviously that was every, everyone's mind. We talked about nurses wellness because we knew this head game that was going on between the shift in the PPE, not knowing how to treat, seeing poor patients go through what they are going through, families what they are going through, and then their own fear with their families, mental health and wellness we knew uh, was off the charts. And then workforce, we were very concerned about our workforce because 
um, we didn't know. I mean, you know what happened in the hospitals, you know, units were converted to other units. So in the beginning, everything was such a fire about this stuff. Um, trying to come up with different, different solutions. And now that we've moved, um, you know, we have some treatments out there. Our bed capacity, we're at what, 20% of what we were at during the height of everything else. We have vaccines. Uh, everyone's shifted to vaccine education. How do we get folks vaccines? How do we get it out there? Um, that's all shifted, but it's it's been interesting. Wendy, we were chatting uh, before we started recording about how you know nurses were right in there right at the start of it. Well, everyone else was home, right? Everyone else was on lockdown. Uh, they were getting peapod deliveries. You know? <laughs> they were doing everything they could not to go out. Um, so it was kind of like we had gone through our trauma. And then as things started to open up, um, people were emerging like, oh, I have to go back to the office. How am I going to do that? So all of a sudden, like, you know, there was another group of folks that were trying to figure out how to how to operate and do things. Um, and that during that time, you know, we thought, oh, you know, our healthcare providers will really get to take a breath. Um, I don't know if they really have ever taken a breath. Like you said, we take care of everyone else before ourselves. Um, but the shift, you know, really now to help others uh, understand what we've learned, what has the pastor really taught us? Uh, how far have we come? Um, and, you know, what is our, what is our new normal? <laughs> new normal. Uh, going, you know, what is it? What is it really going to look like? I like to say, you know, it's not like the world's never met a virus before, right? I mean, we do colds, we do flu. I work in childcare, right? Kids get eight to 12 colds a year, like <laughs> you know, hand washing, cleaning surfaces, good ventilation. You know, these are not like, you know, new, new thoughts for us, but boy, has it really brought uh, to light public health and these basic strategies about being healthy. And I think like as we shift now to this, you know, where do we go from here? And everyone's got all this fatigue, um, you know, getting back to ourselves, right? Eating well, sleeping well, getting your exercise. Um, we're reminded of things we've known forever about being healthy, um, but we're, I feel like everyone's kind of, um, they're ready, everyone's ready. <laughs> to kind of be more normal and, uh, and do those things. I mean, some people, I guess, spent the pandemic doing, doing lovely things. <laughs> um, you know, I think I was at my computer 24 hours a day. And I know that's not, you know, everyone seems to have had a completely different pandemic experience, depending on what that was like. Um, but I feel like we're coming out the other end. I know there's variants out there. I know the young people, um, their 20s and 30s are still getting it in the high numbers. Uh, I checked in with my pediatric folks at Children's Medical and said, you know, what's going on with pediatric admissions? Like, are we seeing, you know, we know the variants are hitting younger people. We know the kids, the schools are open, but the rules haven't changed. So kids are getting quarantined left and right. So, you know, are they getting sick? Like, are the kids going to the hospital? And, you know, those numbers for them have stayed really low. Um, so I really think it'll be nice to look at our year's worth of data, learn from our year's worth of data and create a plan going forward, um, just like nurses do, right? Let's look at our data. What does it tell us? Uh, and how do we 
continue to move forward in a, in a safe in a safe way, but thoughtful. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I don't know if I answered your question, Wendy. I kind of just started. <laughs> no, you you definitely did. You you answered my question. And that makes me think of another question since we kind of got through 2020, we're coming out on the other side and, you know, there's still work to be done. Where do you see our profession in three to five years post-COVID? Yeah, good question, Wendy. I like to hear what you think the profession is going to be in three to five years. <laughs> Um, I think change, 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 you know, I think, uh, as I said, impetus for change. And I think the pandemic really pushed a lot of things into the spotlight. Um, I think public health um, has, we don't have, our public health nurses will tell you their tagline has been, you need a public health nurse in every health department across the state. We don't have them. Uh, and I think that renewed focus on the importance of a clinician in a health department, not just for pandemic planning, but just for health and addressing access to parks, access to healthy water, access to healthy air, um, you know, places to play, places to exercise, having access to good food. Like these are all things nurses can promote in their communities through public health. So I really believe that public health um, you know, shift is happening. And I think our, our nurses rise, rise to that um, occasion. Um, what else do I think? I think telehealth, you know, hallelujah for telehealth. I, there is, um, there's some excitement that I think happens around, I got to do a telehealth visit, right? <laughs> I loved it because I didn't have to go drive 25 minutes, park, check in, wait. I didn't have to do any of it. I was working. Bing, bing, bing. I got my little notice that my visit was ready. I logged in, we had our little chat and I was on my way. And um, the convenience of that was really exciting for me. Um, and it, it, what I've heard from providers is that it's really made a difference in some of their follow-up care in people you know, making those appointments. They've had a better attendance rate than ever um, at making some of those appointments. So I think telehealth is really, um, here to stay. We have, I think in, in our state, it's a little bit easier when we're talking about crossing state lines, it gets really complicated. And um, we have legislation out this year that gets us on a path to begin looking at those things. But I think telehealth is definitely, um, you know, here to, is here to stay as, as we go. The other thing, uh, Wendy, I think that's huge and has, um, I think it had a momentum of itself, but has a whole new a lot more people get getting it <laughs> is health disparities and social determinants of health and where people live, work and play. Yeah, I go right back to my, my clinic experience as a new nurse practitioner where people live, work and play affects the way you can, how healthy you can be. I mean, we're talking about where you live, work and play as a child affects your rates of blood pressure, high blood pressure as an adult. I mean, this is like, this is big stuff. So that, that there is such a intentionality and an inclusiveness about uh, putting that on the agenda about everything we're doing. Are we talking about disparities? Are we talking about what needs to be done um, to address equity and racism? That's, that's really been uh, put in the front. And I think that that is wonderful. And I think we like, like, I'm hoping that this brings it to a place where things are going to start happening um, because, you know, the pandemic has really 
kind of pushed us there. Um, even though those of us in healthcare have known this <laughs> for a long time, community health has been part of a nursing education for a long time. I won't say how old I am, but I had to do a community drive through, you know, through the windshield survey. I had to go to the water treatment plan, the sewage treatment plan to understand health, right? Like that was part of school. Um, but it's, it's nice that, uh, that in a bigger, you know, we can do so much at the bedside. We don't have a choice. We're dealing with things in the moment. But we appreciate that what we're dealing with in the moment is a result of processes, is a result of policies and legislation and systems that have created this situation we're in now. So to have the opportunity to address the bigger picture, I think has been um, something that our profession will be, um, have a leadership role in because nurses uh, understand that in, in a way that a lot of other professions don't. Yeah, the two words that come to my mind are leadership and advocacy. Mm -hmm. And I think for nurses, I don't think, but we have a lot of talent, a lot of abilities that many of us haven't even tapped into. And I'm a true believer that the stress, right? Stress really inhibits us from really shining mm -hmm. and contributing. So in order to exercise your leadership skills or your advocacy skills, which we need in nowadays, and that's going to move us forward in three to five years, it starts with, you know, really managing your stress, whether it's personal stress, whether it's occupational stress. And we had stress before COVID. So I'm not saying COVID stress. Right. That has only amplified what we're experiencing, but we have to learn how to take care of ourselves so we can be well enough to advocate and lead the profession. So yeah. those are my thoughts in terms of, of long-term is, and, you know, PTSD, I think we have to talk about that, just what people have gone through uh, with the pandemic. And I always like to say nurses are real people. We have depression, we have anxiety, we have chronic illnesses. So really working through those and um, getting back up and really joining forces, like you said, public health, that we all need to be there. We all need a seat at the table. So um, in order to do that, we have to be well ourselves. Well, you know, it's funny, um, I mean, nursing has had um, workplace bullying, workplace violence um, as an issue, like you said, for a long time, well before COVID. And it's some of the outcomes though we've heard from the COVID pandemic is that it brought floors together and lifted each other up in ways that hadn't, hadn't been happening uh, before, um, which I think is a direct result of that stress piece. And like, listen, you know, no, people don't understand, you know, that what's happening in these four walls of our, our building, but we understand each other. And um, yeah, stress is a funny, is a funny thing. Um, and I don't really do good with uh, silence and quiet, um, but boy, do I have some of my best thinking in the shower driving, you know, going for a drive around the neighborhood. Yes. Yes. I used to drive a lot, right? And when I've been driving, I'm oh, oh boy, my my little you know computer brain you know starts spitting out to do lists and ideas and everything else. And um, we started taking a drive in the car in the morning just to go for a ride. Same, <laughs> same. <Right? laughs> it's like so silly, but it was like it really. I mean, but like I needed to step away. Work came home, and you needed to like create that space so that your brain could just kind of chill uh, for a little bit. 
So I yeah, think right on though. Taking taking that leadership, nurses don't realize the things in the ways they lead every single day. The power, the power yeah. we have. We're so powerful. And I always tell nurses that you have so much power yeah. that we have to tap into. Um, but I'm also with you. My uh, best ideas come when I'm in the shower. And I think it's because you're focused, right? No, one, no one's in there with you. You have time to kind of just debrief. Uh, but we do need to create gaps in our lives to process and really figure out what we're doing, why we're doing it, and what else you know we need to do. Yeah. Um, so I truly believe that. Is there anything else you would like to say to our audience before we uh, enter our rapid fire and wrap things up? <laughs> um, thank you for all you do. Know that we are fighting for you um, and appreciate the work you do. And we demonstrate that by uh, being present for you. And in order for us to represent you best, we need to hear from you. And so please always know that we're here. Um, share your concerns, share your worries, share your ideas. Um, we are happy to navigate and bring ideas and move them around. Uh, and we are, are happy to support you in your journey as a career, as a, in your career as a, as a nurse. Um, I know careers can take on many different shapes and forms at different seasons in our life. We're a young, early career nurse. Then when we have a family nurse, and then now like me, my kids are all going to college and, and well, they're trying to go to college. Um, and, you know, you know, we're always, we're here. We are a constant for you. And uh, I want you to know that. I, I recently was talking to a nurse and talking about the workers' compensation bill that's in Hartford. And she said, thank you. Thank you for telling me that because I didn't even realize there was anyone sticking up for us. And I said, oh my goodness. I was like, this is all I worry about every single day. Um, so I just, I would like folks to know that. Um, if you've never checked out our website, go to ctnurses.org. There's a lot, it's, there's probably more stuff on there than, than you're interested in, but hopefully there's something you're interested in. Um, we did a whole series, like we had said earlier, you know, we knew mental health and wellness was going to be um, a need for our nurses right off. So we did free, ser uh, free webinars for continuing nursing education all last year on the dimensions of wellness. We have aromatherapy, nutrition, heart math. Um, we have yoga, replenish yourself at work. Um, they're all on there. We even put in, uh, you know, the dimension of, like, you know, these better than I do, Wendy, the dimension of wellness about your career. So we had one about entrepreneurship on there, innovative design thinking. Um, so there's lots of good little nuggets in our e-learning uh, website up there. So check it out, look at it and, and always feel free to reach out. We answer our emails. <laughs> Awesome. And if there are nurses listening across the nation, how do they get in contact with their local um, nursing association? So you would go to nursingworld.org. That's the American Nurses Association website. Uh, nursingworld, it's all one word, .org. And on there, you can search for your local state chapter. Awesome. Thank you so yeah. much for that. Now, can we do a rapid fire? Are you okay oh, with this? I'm ready. Awesome. So share with us the first word or thought that comes to your mind to finish these sentences. Wellness means? Joy. I know I'm stressed when? <laughs> I walk into the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, this is interesting. My go-to stress management solution is... (laughs) Anything sweet in the house. See, that self-wellness thing is really messed up. (laughs) The last time I had a belly laugh was... This weekend, playing Mario Kart with my kids online. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That was my, that's my new pandemic, um, you know, vice. I picked up Mario Kart. Awesome. Awesome. And the last one is one thing I learned about myself during the COVID-19 pandemic is. Oh, I need um, personally that I needed to uh, find balance. Yeah, that's a good one. I think we all can uh, try to use some balance in our life. Yeah. Yeah. So this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Kim, for joining us and sharing uh, everything you're doing. And thank you for all that you do for us in Connecticut. Thank you for having me and allowing me to share. And thank you for all the work you're doing, Wendy. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Between episodes, you can follow the Nurse Wellness Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Before you go, I would love to share a free mindfulness ebook with you. Go to stressblueprint.com backslash 35 and download your free copy. Until next time, go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown hosted by Dr. Mitzi Crockover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App, and that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.